Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This is Metroscope, an Intercom Portland Public Affairs program. I'm your host, Preston Highfield. Joining us this time on Metroscope is Dwight Holton, CEO of Lines for Life. Lines for Life is a nonprofit dedicated to preventing substance abuse and suicide and promoting mental wellness. The military helpline is available 24 hours a day, seven days a week, provides compassionate, confidential crisis intervention and referral among the military community. The military crisis line gives free confidential support to service members, veterans, and their families. Welcome, Dwight. Thanks for being here. Great to be here, Preston. Good to have you here. So let's start at the kind of ground level of this whole thing in just what is the military helpline and who does it serve? Sure. Our military helpline serves veterans, their family members, and friends supporting veterans uh, who are in crisis or having challenges that range from um, a rough day to folks who are really thinking about taking their lives and everywhere in between. We work with folks who are uh, dealing with substance abuse, alcoholism, things like that. Or, and, but also just people who are having family challenges that they're, they're trying to get through. We're there 24-7, 365, and it's uh, a really important service from where we sit. You know, we're coming up on Veterans Day. It's the 100th anniversary of the uh, end of World War One. We have tens of thousands of veterans, really hundreds of thousands of veterans in the U.S. who struggle from time to time. And we're glad to be there to help. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Yeah, certainly a very important cause. All right. As far as the state of Oregon, how are we serving people here in our state around suicide prevention and then other issues that they may be going through, like you were describing substance abuse and things like that, specifically kind of how are you guys serving? We have a lot of work to do. You know, the reality is that our veterans are folks who agreed to essentially to put their lives on the line for us, for the things, for the values we believe in. And when they come home, we owe it to them to help them uh, through times of struggle. And the reality is we got a lot of work to do. The Veterans Crisis Line nationally, which we're a part of, talks to eight or 900,000 veterans a year. Nationally, we see a real challenge with suicide and depression among veterans. Uh, 22 veterans a day take their lives, so uh, almost one an hour. Uh, here in Oregon, Veterans take their lives at a rate that's twice the rate for the rest of us. So veterans make up about 8% of the population, but make up about 16% of the suicides. So it's really important that we do everything we can as community members, but also at the crisis line to help support veterans and their family members. Mm-hmm. Are veterans impacted more in this state or how are, how are they impacted in the state of Oregon? Well, in Oregon in general, our suicide rate is higher than it is in many other states. There are lots of factors going on there. Uh, partly, uh, folks think it's the that when you get out west and you get a more rural environment, you get people who are more isolated. Come what Part of what comes with that, what we love about being in the west, is our fierce independence. But that tends to sometimes make people reluctant to reach out for help. We're trying to break through that reluctance and make sure that we can help and connect with people. And we need the help of folks in your audience. The uh, listeners need to 
uh, can, uh, need to know that they can help. They can check in with the Veterans Crisis Line themselves, or they, if they're worried about somebody, they can always help by passing on our number and saying, hey, you know, I heard these guys on the radio the other day, and they sound like they're pretty cool and somebody you can talk to about challenges. Mm-hmm. The number, by the way, 888-457-4838. If you or somebody knows in crisis, contact the military helpline, 888 457 Four eight three eight. And what about beyond Oregon? You were talking about some of those statistics earlier, but can you just speak to who you guys serve beyond Oregon as well? Sure. We serve not only Oregonians with that line you just mentioned, but we're also part of the National Veterans Crisis Line. The Veterans Crisis Line has uh, a couple of call centers operated by the Veterans Administration. They wanted help in meeting the need of veterans so they could get to calls faster, so they could spend the time they need to. And so they asked us uh, last year to help out. So we've joined them in a really significant project. In fact, next week, the director of the Veterans Crisis Line nationally is coming out to Lines for Life. We're having a ribbon cutting uh, on a new call center that we've opened specifically to be able to handle this increased uh, volume that we'll be getting as a result of our partnership with the Veterans Crisis Line. Uh, it'll be it'll be really exciting. Okay. Yeah, that's really cool. Um, what about some of the people who answer the phones? I know people who are listening to this who may need help or who are you know looking to reach out would probably want to know who they're talking to uh, even though it's a obviously a confidential situation for them but just as far as kind of assuring people on the other side who they're talking to how'd you kind of describe uh, the people who are answering the phones we work really hard on the military line to try and get folks who have military experience themselves or have grown up in a family around military maybe have a spouse or, a, or a, a loved one who served in the military. And if not, we make sure we train them up on military culture. That buddy culture is really important. And in fact, not only do it, kind of common sense tells you that somebody from the military who's used to working in a collaborative environment, right? It's all about watching the back of your buddy uh, when you're out in service. We're, that's the ethos we try and bring to the crisis line. So we have lots of folks who've been in military service themselves. Uh, the data tells us that that kind of peer-to-peer relationship, mm-hmm. that kind of peer-to-peer uh, help is much more effective. Mm-hmm. So it's something we try to emphasize. We can't do it every time, but that's uh, that's what we try and get done. Mm-hmm. The folks who are on the lines go through a tremendous amount of training. So uh, they go through oh, 50, 60 hours of core training and then a bunch of extra training they go on for the military piece of the work we do so that they're really skilled at helping folks who call with whatever the problem is. Again, sometimes it's as as easy as having problems getting through the VA bureaucracy on a particular challenge. Uh, Sometimes it's something much more complicated than that. Our folks are trained there to help help drain the frustration Mm -hmm. That can often drive an interaction with uh, with the VA, or um, or help folks work through more complicated challenges. Mm-hmm. So, what can we do to help? Well, you, first thing you can do is make sure that uh, you know about the, the military line, you know about the Veterans Crisis Line, you know that you can get help, or you can get help for a loved one. We're always happy to hear from people, twenty four hours a day, seven days a week, three hundred sixty five days a year. I think it's also important that folks. Um, Take care of their friends and their family and their loved ones. If you're worried about someone, if you've seen someone who's showing signs of isolation or just doesn't seem like they got that spring in their step, it's important to talk to them. You know, um, I've learned from our call counselors that the often the way to talk to someone to start the conversation is to ask them what's going on. If you ask them how they're doing, they tend to know that the right answer is going to be, oh, I'm fine. 
and that shuts the conversation down. But if mm-hmm. you're worried about somebody, maybe maybe take a more open-ended approach and say, hey, what's going on? Mm-hmm. And see where the conversation goes and and be ready to connect them with us if they if, if that feels appropriate. Mm-hmm. And again, the number is 888-457-4838. You can also text MIL1 to 839-863. That is 839-863. You can also chat anonymously online at militaryhelpline.org. All right, so we've kind of discussed, obviously, the, you know, the suicide prevention services side of things. What about some of the other services that your group provides? Because I think it's important to emphasize that it's not just suicide prevention. There are a lot of things that people are dealing with, whether it's substance abuse or relationship problems, all of all of that kind of side of life that can be kind of tough. Can you speak to that, please? Sure. Alliance for Life, we're all about connecting people who are facing the normal challenges that we all face, but maybe we don't like to talk about just because the way we grew up, frankly, right? We don't talk about these things. Um, our, we're all about helping people facing those challenges connect with help. So uh, our mission is preventing substance abuse and, uh, and suicide and promoting mental wellness. We do three things to try and meet that mission. First, we run crisis lines like the military helpline. We're also home to the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline in Oregon. So if you're not in the military and you're feeling challenged, you can call, find us 24-7-365 at uh, 1-800-273-TALK. That's the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. But if you call from the Oregon phone, you'll get us. Uh, we run a teen line that's really cool. We have uh, teenagers trained to help teenagers who are going through the life's challenges of growing up. So if you think about kids facing stress, the stress that kids feel that a teenager feels when they get a bad grade, when they're worried about a relationship, or when they're having a fight with their parents, that physiologically, that stress is literally identical to the stress that you and I feel when we're trying to figure out how we're going to make a mortgage payment Mm -hmm. or how we're going to get to work when the car is broken. And the difference is that you and I have some years of racking up coping skills that the teenagers don't have. So the teen line, the youth line, is available for teens to talk to other teenagers to help them figure out coping mechanisms, help them find uh, supports in their own community. And just like with the buddy system on the military line, the data tell us, and it's common sense, frankly, that when a teenager is talking to a teenager, they're more receptive. So uh, I doubt you are old enough to have kids, but uh, my kids, if I were to tell one of my 12-year-old's uh, friends, hey, you should talk to your mom about that, I'd get, a, I'd get a huge eye roll. Yeah. But if my daughter Fiona were to say to one of her buddies, hey, you know, that's the kind of thing I talk to my mom about, it lands in a totally different way. Mm-hmm. That's the principle of the youth line. Yeah, I think that's really important. I can totally imagine how teens especially would be more receptive to their peers in that sense. Um, okay, so a, a pretty serious question as far as you were kind of getting to it earlier, but the warning signs of suicide and, you know, whether it's isolation or another symptom or trait that someone may be showing as an expert yourself in dealing with people that who go through issues like this. What are some of those warning signs that people should be aware of? Well, I'm just a lawyer, but I've learned from the experts I see. Who, okay. who work with us. Uh, get, the, get that, get know, that in exactly. there. Exactly. I'm Let's not, sure a, I'm not a clinician here. Yeah. Here. Yeah. Yeah. But I do work with the, the very best clinicians in the world on, on crisis intervention. And what they'll tell you is that if you see someone who's really receding, right, they used to come to after work when you'd go out for drinks or they used to show up at baseball games for their kids on the weekend and they're starting to recede – 
that's something that they ought to make you ask a few questions. If you see someone who's having days more than one day in a row where they're plainly just not happy and they're worried about something, that's a sign of stress or something else. And the main thing we tell people is ask the question. You know, there's no harm in asking the question, what's going on? And you also, if you're worried about someone, if you think that they're in a, in a circumstance, if it occurs to you that, geez, I wonder if this person is thinking about suicide, ask them. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, I think there are lots of people who think, oh, if I ask them about suicide, I'm like, prompt them to have suicide. That's not how this works. The, there's very strong research on this. You're not going to put an idea in someone's head that isn't there. Mm-hmm. So if, if you have that kind of concern about someone, the right thing to do is to ask the question so you can find out what kind of connection you need to help them make. Mm-hmm. You know, mental health um, it has importantly kind of risen in, in prominence the last decade or so. You know, um, at least, you know, I'm 25 and I, I can say that I've read a lot more about mental health in the last 10 years or so than I did growing up. And also, I mean, you know, I wasn't exactly locked into that subject as a preteen or whatever, but, um, you know, I think it's important that people learn and do research about mental health and it's, it's becoming less of a taboo topic, which is kind of got to be one of the big keys to this whole thing, right? I'm getting goosebumps. You're, yeah. you're, you're, you've nailed it, Preston. Yeah. And it, and it's a generational thing between you and me, you know, I'm 52, almost 53. Um, my generation and before, we didn't talk about this sort of stuff at all. Our youth line has grown by leaps and bounds. So five years ago, we talked to 800 kids. In the last 12 months, we've talked to 15,000. Wow. And and we oh, talk- Say that again? Yeah. So five years ago, yeah. the Oregon youth line talked to about 800 kids. In the last 12 months, we've talked to 15,000 kids. Wow. And the growth just continu- is just continuing. It's been steady, explosive growth. Yeah. When you ask- the teenagers who work on the crisis line, why they think that growth is happening, part of the answer they'll tell you is our generation is not hung up about this the way your generation is. Mm-hmm. You know, we're we're willing to talk about our anxieties and the things that are bugging us. And we call that mental health in a clinical setting. But that's what it is, is when you uh, have anxiety, when you're having a crappy day, uh, that's the stressors that can lead to much more serious mental health disorder. And it's terrific that young people are talking about it more. You're exactly right mm-hmm. that you're reading about it more. And I tell you, when I think about uh, our my peers, you know, I think a, probably a bunch of people who listen to you guys are right in my cohort. I listen to you guys. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, we should learn from the younger generation because the deal is that – when you talk about and work through anxieties and challenges and fears like this, you can get better. Yeah. Right? There, there is help. There is hope. And, and it's not – I'm not just talking anecdote. I'm not just talking puppy dog TV commercials. Mm-hmm. This is data. Yeah. Right? That's what we live on is how to make people better, how to connect with people. Uh, I'll give you a data point. Um, 95 – more than 95% of the people we talk to who call – who are suicidal when they call, so the most acute callers mm-hmm. – we're able to resolve those calls without even calling EMS or first responders, wow. right? So we're able to help those folks find a way forward to the point that we're comfortable that they're going to be able to take next steps. Now, we'll, we'll do a follow-up call. We'll check in with them uh, and make sure things are moving in the right direction. But the point is, it, and this is part of what the teens realize that's new to the rest of us, I think, lots of us have challenging days mm-hmm. where we think 
boy, this is really hard. Or worse, Mm -hmm. we think, I'm not sure this is worth it anymore. It's a normal thing for many, many Americans. And there's nothing wrong with it. Totally. It just yeah. means we need to we need to take advantage of the help that's out there, whether it's us or something else. Yeah, challenges are a part of life. I mean, we all have anxiety about, like you said earlier, your example is making a mortgage payment or if the car breaks down or whatever. And I mean, I know I can speak to when you overcome anxiety. Anxiety, it it feels good and it feels like you accomplished something. Oh, that's so right. Yeah. It's uh, we talk about we've we talk work. One of our projects this year is we've been working with journalists around Oregon on how to report on suicide because hmm. most journalists are nervous about reporting on suicide because they don't want to cause what they call copycats. And it's a real phenomenon. It's it's called contagion in the field and for psychologists call it contagion. So it's a legitimate concern. But because of that fear, reporters generally don't report on suicide. And the result is that people don't understand the scope of this challenge. So we have uh, 750, 800 last year deaths by suicide in Oregon. That's more than two a day. And you don't read about it for the most part, right? Um, But the way to talk about suicide and the way to report on suicide is to tell the stories of hope and recovery because that's what's powerful. Mm-hmm. And that, it's just like you say about when you feel good because you've overcome some anxious moment, whether it's a mortgage payment or... Uh, you know, passing a test. I'm talking at, passing the, I'm, a I'm test. Talking at the basic, the basic range, level. But, right? but I'm a Baltimore Orioles go, fan. Don't yeah. think I have exor- yeah. anxiety? Yeah. yeah. 60 games behind anxiety. 500, yeah. for God's sake. <laughs> right? But the... So the those stories of hope and your, when you overcome that anxiety, it, it gives you a rush. I mean, it's literally yeah. a physiological thing, right? And... Those stories of hope and recovery are what we're trying to promote as a really important part of this suicide prevention uh, story. Yeah, no, I think that's all awesome. By the way, just another kind of follow-up there. As far as the younger generations being more open to discussing anxiety, is there any science behind that? Or, I mean, why do you think that is? Or is it just more part of the culture today? I have to look, Uh by which I mean I've just recently was sitting down with some of our youth line people and kicking around, and they said that. And I haven't gone to kind of check the science. It makes perfect sense to me, but I haven't gone to see what what survey research data says. Uh We do see in the – so Oregon – does surveys among its eighth grade and 11th grade students mm-hmm. uh, kind of every other year. Uh, the Oregon Healthy Teen Survey, it's called. And we see, you know, some pretty scary res- data on student concerns. You know, you see um, b- dramatic portions of kids who t- will say that they went through a period of at least two weeks of really feeling so hopeless that they didn't want to go to school. Those are signs of wow. real potential mm-hmm. for mental health challenges and for suicide down the road. Um, as many as um, half of the LGBTQ kids say that they've considered suicide. So on the one hand, I suspect we are getting more honest reporting because of this more open embrace mm-hmm. of understanding mental health and mental wellness. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, it tells us we have a lot of work to do. Yeah. Yeah. All right. The number is 888-457-4838. If you or someone you know is in crisis, contact that helpline. And who can contact the helpline? Uh, anybody, really. Anyone who is the for the military helpline, um, we're looking to help folks in the military, folks who've been in the military, their friends, family, and loved ones who are looking for help working with them and helping them through a challenge. Mm-hmm. And if you don't fit into that category and you want to talk to a, uh, you want you're looking for help, we can be found 
at 1-800-273-TALK, which is the national uh, the national lifeline. We're there 24-7, 365. Okay. And you're doing a Safeway Salute Our Troops event on Veterans Day. You talked about that a little bit earlier, but can you kind of expand on that in the Westland Safeway, I believe. Is that correct? Yeah, we're going to be there uh, with folks with talking about the talking about the line, letting people know we're there, letting them know how they can help. Um, and as I said, next week uh, on uh, on November 9th, uh, we're cutting the ribbon on our new Veterans Crisis Line call center. So okay. that's pretty exciting. Oh, that's okay. That's what you were discussing earlier. Um, in what ways can policy influence changes in the work Lines for Life does around mental health? Stigma is the most important challenge. So we've been talking about how the younger generation is more willing to embrace and understand their mental health. That wall of stigma, the 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 force that makes us want to shove mental health problems down deep to swallow it, mm-hmm. that's our biggest challenge. Mm-hmm. So when I'm in Salem advocating for public policy, it's around things to try and open that up, to try and tear down that wall of stigma. And so uh, I, I have I can't tell you how many, both on the addiction side and on the mental health side, how many moms I know who tell me they lost their child, either a suicide or overdose, because of stigma, because the kids didn't want to get help, because they didn't want to talk about their mental health challenges. That's true for adults, too. Um, you know, we pay a lot of attention to the youth suicide rate. We should. It's growing. Uh, something like 100 kids in Oregon take their own lives every year. That's twice a week. We lose a, a young person to suicide. Um but the big numbers are in older people. And that's where that stigma is especially challenging, I think, because they have not had the revolution that I think we're seeing among our young people um, to accept mental health as a health condition, just like a broken arm is a health condition. Mm-hmm. So um, public policy that helps educate folks and helps open the door for folks who are older to understand that, hey, you know what, there's actually help for this. We, mm-hmm. can, we can help you feel better and you don't need to live and swallow the pain that we understand you have because it happens. Mm-hmm. Again, the number is 888-457-4838. You can also text MIL1 to 839-863 or go online, militaryhelpline.org. I'm curious when people reach out to you guys, what are some of the methods? Uh, you know, maybe you don't, you know, share as much detail as you can as far as different counseling practices that you might be able to give them on the phone what should people expect if they reach out you know say someone who is maybe a little shy about reaching out or doesn't doesn't want to it's a great question preston our folks are trained to um in a a model of compassion and listening uh, active listening we call it and it's literally a uh, it's a psychological um psychologically demonstrated um skill that we train our people in so I, our our crisis assistant crisis line director puts it best. He says, you know, our goal is to we're going to get in the mud with you. Yeah. We're not scared to get in the mud with you and get a little bit dirty and hear why you're feeling the way you're feeling, so that we can try and help understand the next steps forward. Mm-hmm. And it, it is unfortunately at, at times natural for these veterans to go through something like this, is it not? So. Um, it's natural for all of us yeah. to have these kind of challenges. Veterans face a different set of special challenges, right? Lots uh-huh. of these folks have seen really challenging stuff uh-huh. that would really give us all uh, nightmares, frankly, right? Uh-huh. So um, it is uh, certainly understandable that we have veterans who are really struggling with challenging circumstances. 
historically, lots of the folks we hear from are are Vietnam vets. They came home to not much of a welcome, mm-hmm. right? Too, which I think exacerbated it. I think we're better about that now. Okay. Um, but the reality is that it's a we see nationally, not just in Oregon, that the veteran suicide challenge is is uh, propor- disproportionate, mm-hmm. right? It's a it, it eats up a bigger share than it should. And I think that's got to tie back to the challenges that come with service. And I think it's also probably linked up with the fact that these are folks who are used to addressing things on their own. Mm-hmm. Right? That's part of what you're trained to do in the mm-hmm. military for good reason. But um, when you add in some of our independence ethos in the West, when you add in the kind of rural isolation that comes in with the West, you can drive for hours out in Lake County and not see another person, right? Mm-hmm. Um, those factors really combine to um, to create risk. We can cut through that risk if we can let people know that there's help, there's nothing wrong with asking for help, mm-hmm. and let us, let us try and connect with you. And then finally, where can people go to learn more? If you can check out our website, lensforlife.org. Um, you can learn all about what we're up to. You can learn how to volunteer if you'd like to. We have on uh, a number of our crisis lines, we have volunteers. We have about 200 volunteers currently who help out on the crisis lines, including the teen line folks. Uh, and also, if you'd like to help us out financially, we will put the money to good use. We'll invest it in helping with people and connecting with vets and others. Mm-hmm. Dwight Holton, CEO of Lines for Life. Thanks for being here. Preston, thank you so much. We were talking today with Dwight Holton, CEO of Lines for Life. Metroscope is an Entercom Portland public affairs program. I'm Preston Highfield. If you're involved with a nonprofit or public affairs organization, or if you have an idea for an upcoming show, I'd like to hear from you. Visit MetroscopePDX.com and submit your ideas. You can also go to this station's website and submit your information there. Thanks for listening to Metroscope and enjoy the rest of your weekend. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.